peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast Lunch and Learn series. We are now knocking out chapter four, which is going to be covering down on nutrition. This is the first episode of this uh, chapter, Matt, and we just got done having a pre-show talk about exactly what we were going to be covering and how we wanted to approach it because of the fact that, let's be completely honest, we're nope. not registered dietitians. <laughs> we we don't we don't work in that realm. Have we worked with some really cool individuals in in that space? A hundred percent. Do I have friends in that space? Yes. Have I interned under some of some really good um, scientists and research and registered dietitians? A hundred percent. I have. And, and luckily, in 2015, when I went through my internship with Drug Not Training Systems under Chad Wesley Smith he was bringing in some really smart individuals over at Renaissance oh, cool. Periodization. No, no. And I don't know if you've heard of them before. But they're 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 doing really good in in the in the strength and conditioning field of nutrition and and bringing this idea of how to have a better relationship with food and understanding calorie balance, macronutrients, micronutrients, timing of nutrition, all of those good things and understanding what supplements do for us. And that was that that there was a huge foundation for me just because of the fact like when I started you know, one, when I started getting into more of the, of training and getting more into, you know, weightlifting and getting into having to fuel myself for, you know, these high output sessions and training blocks, I was really curious in terms of finding how my body would react and respond to specific types of food. And realistically, what it came down to in the very first, uh, idea of this was like, I just had <laughs> yeah. to eat food first yeah. to understand this. And I think a lot of people were afraid of eat, to eat food because again, everyone in today's society is afraid of getting fat and, and having obesity or living a life of obesity and then seeing all the diseases that come from it. And realistically at the end of the day, it's, you know, when we get sick from a lot of these things, it's due to the fact of our unhealthy relationship with food. I do believe food is medicine. I've seen it happen. We've talked about this in the past about seeing cancer patients use food as a way to heal themselves. Epilepsy in children and adults, as it kind of goes on, we've seen how food can be the the marker of you know healing somebody. Well, how does that come into play for the tactical community? Because again, we know how this is. The tactical community diet is monsters, dip, and a Snickers bar and a burrito from the burrito uh, truck, you know that's that's a lot of the military aspect. But then when you go and look at the tact, when you go look at the firefighter department, LEO, and the first responders, their diet's not too different. And yes, do they have the accessibility to cook and do all those things? Sure, but again, it takes effort to make the food you need to feel yourself. Because again, that's the only way we can look at the highest quality food and get the most nutrients for ourselves and promote the energy that we need to operate at a certain level. So when we go ahead and look at nutrition before we fall into the to the episode today, you know, when we look at nutrition, guys, we understand nutrition is just another part of the sphere that is integrated into the whole conscious warrior system. And as I've said in the past is the idea with this isn't to make you go ahead and start tracking macronutrients or go keto or go paleo or start fasting or cut out carbohydrates. It's none of those things. What we're trying to do is we need to go ahead and create a bridge and the same color cups across the board to allow for you to guys to understand 
that there needs to be a healthy relationship with food and how we view it from an idea of food is energy. And we have to understand that when it comes down to that, there's that there's types of high nutrient foods and there's and there's low nutrient type foods. And majority of us consume the low nutrient foods compared to the high nutrients because again, we've been told that, hey, fats are bad for us. These types of carbohydrates are bad for us. These types of proteins are bad for us. When you go ahead and look at a lot of these, these, these types of foods that people go ahead and, you know, or not even people, I would say researchers and scientists and, and research papers come out and say, it's like, well, this is it. Well, it's like, realistically, how does your body respond and react to those foods? I think is ultimately the, the idea here of becoming your own scientist and looking at the idea of becoming human first professional. Definitely. Second. And I, I think just with what you were touching on George about kind of different food groups or different things within nutrition being labeled as, as kind of really evil or really good. And, um, it, it just kind of emphasizes, like we were talking about this off air, kind of the, the murkiness, if you like, of, of nutrition as a, yeah. I guess, as a space. Um, we, we've got quite a lot of kind of mixed messages, even, even at like a state or a government level coming out. Um, so kind of like backtracking on, on certain things. And, uh, understandably, I think, I think people are, confused uh, i don't i don't know necessarily whether yeah. people kind of go out and think right today i'm going to eat like an idiot i'm going to go and smash this into my face just because who cares i think i think it's kind of almost uh maybe like a bewilderment of like there's so much information out there particularly with with kind of increased access and and maybe um visibility through social media there's so much like access to this information it's really hard to figure out what's kind of what's legit what's being pushed at me as an advertisement and uh and 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 that from that kind of perspective um so just when we as we kind of dig into this um i think the kind of the overarching message really from from us for today is that everybody's different so everybody's going to require like a like a slight nuance, a slight tweak, almost like um, uh, uh, the the sort of equalizer settings on like when you when you kind of when you kind of dialing stuff in. Everybody's going to require something slightly different, but generally, if we can kind of address the the kind of the health side of things first, if you if you can kind of get yourself on an even keel, that then allows you to start looking at those those nuances we talk about and and tweaking kind of for, for performance. I think the, the health side of things is, is pretty yep. key. Um, so I don't know if you want to, if you want to kick us off with like, with kind of how you feel about stuff. I know you've got an awesome perspective because you've experimented with so much stuff yourself. Um, I, yeah. If you want to just kind of give us some insights. So, you know, when I go ahead and look at food, I, I've, really come down to this idea of looking at food from an emotional-based standpoint and a logical-based standpoint. And what does that exactly mean? So I go ahead and break down emotional. Emotional-based eating is viewed as having an unhealthy relationship with food because it it's used in terms of you want and it's cravings. It's not a, like your body needs it. And then when we go ahead and look at longevity-based eating with that logical style of, of eating and, and looking at your nutrition – that is actually having a healthy relationship with food because it primarily uses the terms of the food I need to go ahead and fuel me with the energy that I want, to go ahead and let me be the best person I can be. So what I, when I look at it from that standpoint, you know, we have so many different diet fads and treads going out, you know, and, and we'll go ahead and name a few. We have keto, we have paleo, we have cart, we have the Atkins diet, we have um, 
we even said the sad the sad diet the standard american diet we have people talk about the carnivore diet we, i can go on and go go through all of that and every single one of them is going to have some kind of you know kickback and be like well this is what it does what's what it does when ultimately when i look at food as a whole i look at food as i'm fueling myself to go ahead and be the fastest f1 race car on the track meaning that you know, I need to go ahead and have a high quality of proteins, high quality of fats, and high quality of carbohydrates to allow for me to go ahead and operate. <clears throat> now, when we go ahead and break that down from an idea of a physicality aspect of how to fuel myself, and then from a psychological demand standpoint, sometimes those fueling options are completely different, right? Because again, sometimes you don't need as much carbohydrates if you're going to be sitting behind a computer and doing some kind of high cognitive workload when you have to be utilizing energy through the psychological standpoint to focus on doing what you're doing. And the way I can use an example of that is, is to create a bridge here is like I'm pretty sure everyone right now listening could go ahead and think back to a time where they ate a large pizza by themselves and they had to go sit and do work. What happened to them? There was this fuck. There was this insulin, this insulin spike, and all of a sudden, now we had this huge crash. Now they went to go try and do some work, and yeah, guess what? Sticks in the eyes, like trying to keep yourself awake. A hundred percent. But let's go ahead and now take that same individual, and instead of eating that large pizza, they went and put down, let's say, maybe a a a quarter of a, like a ribeye, right? Let's say they put down four ounces of a ribeye with a side of you know zucchini and some avocado and a little bit of mashed potatoes for lunch because again right that that's now that there all of those foods contain a high quality nutrients that our body can easily absorb and break down and you leave your digestive system in a very low stress state allowing for you now to go ahead and have that cognitive um, energy to go ahead and get through whatever you need to in the afternoon so let's go ahead and talk about from a physicality aspect when we talk about performance. I know that specific types of carbohydrates bog me down, but I also know that I need carbohydrates to fuel my activity, but I also know I need really high quality fats to go ahead and sustain and burn the energy that I need for however long duration that I'm gonna be doing. And whenever I put carbohydrates, it becomes that super fuel. And that protein is just that building block to allow for me to go ahead and repair and build off of, right? And something that, you know, I, I read, what was it, a year ago in a research paper, and I have to find it, and I forgot the name of it. And, I, I, and again, <clears throat> when I read it, it talked about this idea of increasing protein for endurance athletes because of, over time running for so long or being on a bike for so long or you know whatever you're doing you start to see this uh this muscle mm. atrophy and what they were talking about was you know a strength athlete a power athlete doesn't have this problem because they're ultimately re they're breaking down and rebuilding muscle well unfortunately with an endurance athlete all you're really doing is breaking down that muscle from running biking swimming whatever you're doing for long extended periods of time so then we had to go ahead and find a happy balance to go ahead and help that recover it's the same idea here a lot of people will avoid fats from the strength world because they're like well i need to drive carbohydrate and I drive protein because that's what helps me recover when realistically it's actually all three of the, macro, the macronutrients of protein, fats, and carbohydrates that's help you recover. It's just understanding what your body needs in terms of ratios to go ahead and find what works. And that's been a huge thing that I've 
seen with myself, working with other athletes, and coming to this idea of like, hey, look, let's go ahead and get rid of all these idea, ideas of, of diet fats. Let's get rid of counting macros and, and all this other idea, and let's just go at looking at how to eat real food. And when I talk about eating real food, this idea of looking at real food only helps increase my relationship with the food. So knowing that everything I'm eating comes from an animal, from the ground, or something, right, that is real, that was living organism because I'm a living organism. So if I don't put in living things into my system, what does it do to me? Let's just be completely honest, and I don't need to say what it does to me, but we see what happens over time. And, and again, I'm not talking shit on keto athletes or keto individuals. I'm not talking shit about vegan athletes or whatever else, but understand too much of something starts to dis disintegrate over time. And let's go ahead and talk about that idea of it. So if I can take looking at real food and understanding like, well, real food, I know I can get meat, red meat, I can get chicken, I can get fish, I can get eggs, I, and then the list can keep going on, right? I can get pork, I can do all of those things. It's the same thing too with carbohydrates. Well, what comes from the ground that's as real as possible and that's not in this industrial agriculture world that we see every day? Well, I know that most of the time, a healthy, you know, I can get sweet potatoes, I can get zucchinis, I can get carrots, I can get beets. Everything you hear me talking about is from the ground, ultimately. But what I've also done was I've taken away the defense mechanisms of those vegetables. And everyone's like, wait a minute, what? And I'm not gonna get too deep into it. Just understand that most vegetables and most plants are not meant to be eaten by human beings. And, and, and I know that sounds counterintuitive, but the idea of it is like, it does cause stress in our gut a little more than a, a higher quality fat and a higher quality type of protein. Now, what does that mean? Some people can handle vegetables all the time and don't have no gut issues. Some individuals like me who I can take in like green peppers, I can take in Brussels sprouts, I can take in vegetables that have nightshades in them and it, it causes stress in my gut. And it, it's not fun. Bloating happens, you know, gas from other ways come out from the mouth, you know, those kinds of things. So it's really learning how your body reacts off of specific foods. You eat the same thing with fats, right? I just can't go and eat a tablespoon of peanut butter. That makes me congested because of all the other bullshit that comes in peanut butter. Even, even if it's super clean and it's only through, you know, it's only, hey, it's, it's, it's sunflower oil with fucking peanut butter. And it's just like, well, that sunflower oil doesn't do anything for me. I've actually noticed some of those oils actually do net less for me. It's not the fats I want. Do I eat nuts? Sure. I love macadamia nuts. I love <laughs> almonds. I love pistachios and all those things, but I don't eat them in high qualities. I eat them in very moderate. What comes in with fats now is I look at animal-based fat products, right? It gives me the base, the best bang for the buck. And the same thing with the proteins. So if we can go ahead and look at nutrients and look at our food in terms of this idea of cool, at, I know that I want to perform at this high level, but I'm a human first. And we keep going back to this idea of a human. On what basic level do I need to sustain energy to live? And then from there, how do I go ahead and increase my performance? Mm -hmm. Right? And we talked about this before. We, we haven't even gotten to fasting yet and how we look at fasting because we had this talk prior to the show was, you know, a lot of this pseudoscience idea of what fasting and intermittent fasting does or the pseudoscience behind keto, paleo, no carb diet or whatever else, a lot of it comes down to just the money-making generator, right? So if we can understand, okay, cool, like in a, in, a, in a long term, a lot of this comes down to how do we go ahead and make more money off the food that we're creating so that people can consume it and what happens after that? Well, as evolution or society has grown, 
right? We've now seen DoorDash, Uber Eats. We've started seeing the ability to go ahead and get food 10 times that much more simpler and, and it's not as difficult as it was in the past to where now we're no longer having these long, massive breaks of not eating when our bodies are meant to go through that, right? Like our ancestors realistically were done eating when the sun was going down. Sun went down, you were not eating anymore. You were hiding from from predators. You were you were you were sleeping. You were resting. Well, if you got done eating at five p.m. in the afternoon, six p.m. in the afternoon, and you ate again at seven thirty or eight, that right there is a twelve to fourteen hour fast. You just gave your body the ability to go ahead and move through and digest and get rid of every single thing, and it's working as as fluid as possible, right? And we're not putting stress on that gut. So when it comes down to this idea of, you know, when we look at food and we look at nutrients and we look at it as a whole yeah does calorie balance matter does timing of nutrients matter does you know macronutrients matter does hydration matter and does supplements matter sure but if you don't have a healthy relationship with how you view food you're not going to be able to stick to those things or get the best out of yourself and that's ultimately what i want to go ahead and what we're trying to do here when i've came into this idea of nutrition you know like i said pre-show i look at myself at this ball of energy and I've said this in previous shows before, where you know, whenever I put food into me, I want to make sure that that food it has the highest quality nutrients, has the most energy, and is the most living thing I could get to put into my system because I'm living. I know if I put in fake food, non-living types of food, my energy source goes from a seven, eight, and it goes all the way down to a two. And and that there has been a really really cool perspective to look at how I view food today and how I eat. And I told you this before, before our show, like before I started training for the recon challenge, I was fasting every three days. I was doing a 16 hour fast. And then in between that was a 12 hour. But then when I started getting ready for this event, I knew that I had to fuel my system to be ready to rock and roll so I could recover. But I also knew that the foods that I put in needed to go ahead and be the highest quality and highest nutrients with the highest energy with without causing too much stress on my mm. gut so that I could put energy elsewhere yeah. to recover. And that's, that's kind of something that I think is, is worth bearing in mind. Like when we were talking about fasting and things like that is, is recognizing that, that anything where you're, you're kind of maybe going slightly more extreme in like in terms of the, the, the periphery or the fringes of a, like a nutritional approach is, is going to be a, like going to kind of produce, produce a stress response within the body. Um, and so like, again, we were talking about this off air in, in terms of um, when it's maybe kind of okay to play around with things like this. And, and when we've got like, a, when we've got an environment where where generally the other main stresses, so like, like work, training, things like that are, are relatively controlled or low level, then I think that's, that's kind of okay. Um, you can, you can kind of afford to have like, like a bit of a stress response from that because the rest, like the rest of the system isn't on fire. But I, I think kind of where, where people potentially come or could come unstuck is the human nature of like, I'm not just going to, I'm not like George always says, kind of being like, um, be your own scientist rather than thinking of, of kind of a scientific approach where we maybe change one variable, we change one thing and see what happens to the rest of the system. As humans, we have this kind of, um, this kind of innate, I guess, desire to, start afresh and right, I'm going to change everything tomorrow. I'm going to start training for a marathon. I'm also going to do a weightlifting meet. I'm going to 
fast. I'm going to uh, kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. Everything. People try and change so much at once. And whilst that should be kind of applauded, obviously someone that's someone trying to take a, a positive step forwards. We have to recognize that all those things are going to kind of cause a stress response. And the body's only got so much kind of resources to, to handle that. So you might get away with it for your 28, 30 day uh, get jacked really quick challenge. But then the wheels Correct. come off and, and that's kind of where we see those, those rebounds that are so common with, with extreme diets. Well, and that's the huge part, right, is the idea here is like everyone is tied to food through an emotional standpoint. And it goes back to the idea of emotionally based eating. And why? Because food creates what? Mm. Yeah, creates and we, we talk with everything being, we, we try and view everything that we, we do through this through this biopsychosocial lens. So we're, we're kind of referring to like the, the biology or the biological view, the psychological view, and then like the sociological kind of aspect. And I, I think nutrition is one that's kind of really easy for people to, to see that. So we know that there's a physiological response like George was talking about when he, when he kind of consumes stuff. We know that there's definitely a psychological approach. Like you only have to put the TV on, particularly over here in the US for, for five minutes and you get all the commercials kind of telling you how, how amazing everything tastes. <laughs> um, and, and, and kind of like you were talking about that hyperpalatability, that craving of, of, of certain products. But then also there's the massive, massive social side of things. Like, like you said, kind of going back to the, like the evolutionary biology, the, the kind of the ancestral stuff, like community and, 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 uh, and nutrition are so intertwined. Like from a, like you said, you kind of use the caveman example, like sitting around from, from that perspective, but also through to this idea maybe of um, people wanting to kind of feel like a sense of belonging and using nutrition for that. So I, I don't know if it's something you can speak of from your experience, but like in the, say in the weightlifting world or the CrossFit world, it's, there's maybe like a, an expectation, like a cultural expectation to eat a certain way. And same thing in the, in the endurance world. Um, I don't know if that's something you've, you kind of have experienced firsthand. You know, what's funny, man, is the idea behind that, that cultural view of, of different types of sports and the way we eat. I think the reason why that does happen, and again, this is only just a thought of mine, is due to the demands of the sport. So for example, I got quite a few friends who are getting ready to compete in the next uh, sanctionals phase of CrossFit. And some of them are high-level athletes and watching them eat and watch them fuel. Like they're really good at eating super healthy, super clean, understanding nutrients in a high energy state from that standpoint. Which, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you can't tell them not to eat different types of foods because they're performing well, they're doing the things and they know what they need to do. But when they start getting into, you know, these high volume training phases, now it just comes down to how much calories can I get in to recover? And understanding that, you know, whenever I eat, let's go with this amount of calories, it might not be completely clean all the time. I might have to put some more rice in. I might have to actually eat a fucking large pizza at nighttime because I just got done training twice, three times in the one day, and they were fucking really hard efforts. And I just need to recover. Then, yes, you're going to need to go ahead and do that. But understand that you've trained your system in a way that allows for it to utilize that fuel so quickly that it doesn't bog you down. It's the problem we see is individuals in that space who don't train hard enough and think they need to go ahead and eat X, Y, and Z, and we end up seeing the counter effects of that, right? Why am I not losing weight? Why am I bulking up? Why am I seeing this increase in, in sympathetic tension? Because you can tell that, right? Then we go and take the endurance world. The endurance world, bro, when I run ultra marathons and that stuff, it, it, majority of people, you know, when you're a recreational athlete doing those things, it becomes a fucking buffet, 
how much food can I eat every single time I come to an aid station? But that also does something to you. It also takes away from this idea because when I look at the endurance aspect, no, not only do I have to endure from a physicality standpoint, but I also have to endure from a psychological standpoint. So it's like, how do I feel myself the way to keep myself moving from not just from a physicality standpoint, but from a cognitive aspect, especially at nighttime. And what I found was sugar is the number one fucking go-to for me, especially at nighttime, because it gives me that glycogen that I need for my brain so I can go ahead and stay aware, so I can go ahead and push the body. But at the same time, I need fat to go ahead and drive my heart to allow for me to do that. And there's something I've always said is the heart is the driver, the mind is the measurement. It's the same exact thing here when I look at nutrients. How do I go ahead and keep the heart moving forward? The heart doesn't always go off of carbohydrates. It also goes off of fats and proteins. And if we can go ahead and teach a system to go ahead and be more metabolically flexible, because that's exactly what I'm talking about here, we then have now just set our system up to be that much more efficient and to actually do the things that we're supposed to do. Meaning that, oh, I need to put fats in right now because that's what I need. I need to go ahead and put carbohydrates in and sugar in because that's what I need. But unfortunately, especially in the tactical community, and in our regular general and in a regular recreational general pop, the main source of macronutrients is a carbohydrate, meaning that we're now becoming more carb dependent, less fat dependent, less metabolically flexible. We're not even putting enough protein in anymore. We're not doing any of those things to where now all our system is is in this high state of insulin resistance. Yeah. To where we can never get away from it. And what does it do to us over time? So ultimately, right, we have to look at Food, one, as energy, two, as nutrient and anti-nutrient type foods, three, how do we go ahead and create this metabolic flexibility that we need to go ahead and give us the best output possible? Because, you know, one thing we haven't even touched on yet is the idea of hydration, right? There is a thing where if you don't have enough minerals in your system, we can use that example that you're testing out right now on your own of actually putting in salt prior to bed, which is probably an hour uh, prior Yeah, maybe a little bit less. Yeah, a little bit less, but it's allowing for you to sleep longer. And what we're seeing and what I've learned through, you know, eating is that, you know, salt isn't bad for us. It actually isn't. Salt's actually really good for us. And depending on what you're doing and, and, and how you break down salt, it actually can help us out. Now, having too much of salt, is it bad? Sure. Having too much, little bit of salt is bad. Yes. It's finding that happy balance. So I, I think that when it comes down to understanding nutrition as a whole and, and this pretty much chapter that we're going to be going into isn't about how to count calories, isn't about, you know, Hey, what's the best fucking diet, diet trend out there? No, it's about finding what's the best diet trend for your, the best way of eating for yourself that's going to go ahead and give you the longevity and allow for you to go ahead and change your view from this emotional-based eating perspective to this longevity-based eating, meaning you now have a healthy relationship with your food and you know that since I'm going to be going ahead and do X, Y, and Z, I might want to feel myself this way. If I want to go ahead and do X, Y, and Z, I might need to feel myself this way. And that's ultimately the goal here. And the same thing comes with hydration. If I'm sweating an excessive amount of, of, of time, I need to put in more electrolytes. If I'm not sweating as much and I'm not doing as much, do I need to put in more electrolytes or I need to find the happy balance? And that's ultimately the yeah. idea. No, I, I think you, you bang on. The only other thing I, I would just add to, to what you're saying about, again, going back to kind of be your own scientist and, and this idea that we're trying to give you guys the, the tools to sort of figure out, figure out what works for you rather than necessarily like a kind of a hard prescription is 
is kind of acknowledging that this idea that you're just like your your training just like you wouldn't kind of do the same training session day in day out for the next 20 30 years nutrition is probably going to change as well um just as you as you kind of have different goals as you have different as different sort of health parameters change um we we know from kind of like an ancestral health like an evolutionary biology perspective that that probably as we age um our nutrition has to kind of has to sort of change and, and, and follow that it has to change as um, well and that's definitely something that we'll, we'll try and dive into in the in the next couple of episodes definitely well i'm looking forward to the next episodes and again guys thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys soon